0: All right, Lord, we thank you. Just speak through me right now. Holy Spirit, let us be captivated to give you our best, and full attention, our focus, and on our eyes and our ears. I pray, Lord, that this word would go forth and accomplish that which it is sent forth to do, and it would go as living seeds of truth sown in the good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives watered by the Holy Spirit to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Let it be light, Lord, that shines into any dark place and dispel that deception, that darkness and that lie and bring truth. Lord, let it be a hammer that breaks down strongholds and brings a breakthrough. Lord, let it be a sword that cuts away what needs to go. But we thank you for the awesome power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, just continuing in this series, I'm going to talk a little bit about my personal Um, story of impartation. But listen, Romans 11, i I've quoted this some throughout this series, but it says, Paul said, I long to be with you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And you've heard me share on this, but I want to get this in this series as well. But in the Greek, it says this. You can break the description down. It says, I long to be with you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that will take you to a place of strength. The impartation of the anointing will take you to a place of strength things that you could not overcome on your own, the awesome power of the Holy Spirit will help you to overcome it. it will take you to that place. And I've told this before, but there was an old prophet, I was young in the Lord, but God had powerfully touched me, which I'll share about briefly. And he came up to me and told me, he said, the, the anointing, the impartation of the anointing that's on you, that is mature. But he said, you're not mature yet. But he said, don't worry about it because the anointing will mature you. And I have found that to be the case. The anointing will mature you. The anointing will teach you. And like i talked about through this series, to anoint means to rub in. So that impartation will come and the Lord will take that and rub that in every area of your life and change you. That impartation of the anointing will work through you and sanctify you through and through your spirit, your soul, and body to be pure and blameless to the coming of the Lord. That impartation of the anointing Will, will literally kill disease and sickness and begin to liberate you from health problems. It will work through your life and destroy whatever stronghold, whatever the devil's had in your life. And that impartation of the anointing will teach you. You'll learn and you'll understand things you never understood before. So the impartation of the anointing is so extremely important. And um, just I've got a lot of stories for myself, but just a couple of quick ones. When I was young in the Lord... I went to Bible school, and um, while I was there, the Brownsville Revival broke out, and I had heard about, even though I'd grown up in in Pentecost, it wasn't really anything powerful like Revival, but it was just kind of more of a traditional church, and I had heard about Claudio Freitzen was at uh, some church in South Dallas, and I went to see Claudio, and he's from the Argentine Revival. And I remember being in that atmosphere for the very first time in my life. This was my personal first introduction to um, revival and the spirit of revival. And I remember standing in there, and it was, it was in South Dallas, so um, I was one of the few white people there. And people were dancing and jumping and being free. And I remember for the first time in my life being around an atmosphere of revival. And I loved it. I loved the freedom, I loved seeing the people dance. I, I could feel the power of God like electricity shooting through the place. And uh, Claudio preached, he didn't know any English, There was an interpreter, but anyway, he prayed for people. And at the end of the service, he, he found me, came up to me and prayed for me, and I was hit by the power of God. And there was a, a fresh new baptism the Holy Spirit, and prayer language just burst forth fresh and new. And that was my first touch of what I would call the revival anointing. And then my friends started going to Brownsville. And they were coming back, and these guys, if you knew them, I hung out. They, they were a goofy bunch of people in college, you know. Just um, if, if you knew how they were and practical jokesters and real goofy and not taking life real serious, when they came back, there was a difference. There, there was a, a depth. There was tears. There was brokenness. There, and I could see in their life a sincere move of the Spirit of God, and it produced a hunger in me. And I remember them telling me you need to go but if you go you need to take time off where you can spend several days don't just go to one service and so I remember I got together you know with my family and and we went down there it was 96 I believe it was March of 96 if I'm not mistaken and I'll never forget because Steve Hill was preaching on not quenching grieving and resisting the Holy Spirit and he had the lights dimmed and he had this little lamp he was carrying around he was talking about when it, when it's dark all around, you've got your, your light, but allowing the Holy Spirit to be quenched in your life and putting out the light. And So that was his sermon. And I'll, I'll never forget because I'd never been around anything like this. Um, I had been at a church where the church only ran maybe a couple hundred people, and it was a full gospel church. And really, I was just more... I was very young. I'd only been saved by a year and a half. So I was just kind of helping, and, and they brought me on to help with the young people. And because of what I've been trained to do, with all the different games and programs and lock-ins and everything you do the youth group really grew but it wasn't really by the power of the holy spirit and lives being changed it was more uh, just all the programs and things we had going see what i mean and i came to this church where people were waiting outside in this long line we went in and the worship was so powerful and i remember as steve hill gave that altar call I could I could literally feel waves of electricity in the, in the atmosphere and I saw these people running down and you could see people running that was obviously off the streets. I mean, it was people that probably just got invited on their way to church or whatever. I mean, people just brought them in and they were running down and they were down there weeping and they were wailing and you could hear it. And I remember just being broken and began to weep in my seat. I'd never been around this. And um, God had touched me through Claudio but as I was at Brownsville I went down and they started after that they started praying for people and I went down and I wanted prayer because my friends had told me you need to go and you need to get prayer but I didn't understand the significance of impartation I was just there and I remember I went down and this guy comes up to me and it's just an altar worker he wasn't, it wasn't Steve or, or John or anybody he just prayed for me and I remember that I was thrown back in the air several feet landed on my back I felt myself hit the floor and um all I can say was there was a baptism of fire. That's the only way I can say it. There was a, an all-consuming fire that came into my life. And God touched me a lot during that time. What happened was God had put in me the spirit of revival. I knew it. And when I came back, um, my heart was that I realized, even though it was, it was good on, uh, in the eyes of men, I realized that what was going on was shallow in the eyes of God. And so I began to preach repentance-based sermons, and, and a lot of the young people started getting saved. And things started happening. And I remember that they were telling me, because in this particular denomination they had a couple times a year they had something called, uh, well, during the winter time it's called Winterfest, and then they had something else. But it, it was a time where it was like a camp meeting, and so it was uh, really powerful. And they told me, they said, Brother Scott, it, it feels like Winterfest all the time now. What happened was the spirit of revival started coming in. And I remember I'd preach, I'd see him crying, you know, and they'd come down. So God began, that was my introduction. But what happened was, was that something had been imparted to me. It wasn't just going to a good service and going, oh, that's good. Maybe I can go back and figure out what they're doing and I'll try to do that. It wasn't like that. I didn't know what I was doing. Not that I do now, really. You just move with the Holy Ghost, amen. But anyway, I was there. But something had come upon me from there. That when I came back, that began in operation through the ministry. And it took on a whole different atmosphere. All the games and all that stuff, we still had a lot of fun, but it was different. Now there was more of a serious tone about getting right with God, and people's lives were really being impacted on a deep spiritual level. And I remember that through that revival. This was an interesting story, but um, had, you know, Brother Steve Hill, would pray for me. And I'd come back, and there, there had really been something about evangelism. I've had a, a history throughout the course of my life. But, you know, you guys only know me in this season, but in times past, I've done a lot of street ministry, a lot of street evangelism. And I remember that at this time in my life, I'd gone to this particular place where they were doing. Kind of like the uh, Hell House, Judgment House, different things they do around Halloween time. And I'd gone to one of those places and we went through. And even though people were brought to a place of realizing heaven and hell, they, they really just had them go through and sign a piece of paper and give them some Kool-Aid and let them go or something. I remember it was really, and uh, I got back on the bus with my young people. And I was like, I don't know what they're thinking. But anyway, so I preached to my young people there, and a bunch of them got saved on the bus. So I went back to them, and I told them, look, guys, y'all need to do something different. You've you're got a big hole in your net, okay? People are getting out of here. You're getting them to a place where they could get saved, but then you're just getting them Kool-Aid or something. I was like, man, you need to. So this guy was like, it's too late to do anything. You come help me. And I was like, what, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, I don't know, but you're you're complaining, so you do something. So I said, okay. I said, here's what I'll do. I said, I'll go in that decision room because there was a door here that was accept Jesus and a door here that was reject Jesus. And um, there were people surprisingly. Anyway, so I stood in the room, and they would come in, and I was preaching to them, and people started crying. See, the power of God came in that room strong. Seriously, it was surprisingly strong. And people were crying, and they were... And, you know, there was a couple of people that go through the door. But now people were hearing the gospel and they were praying with me to get saved. Well, I started doing that. I mean, every 10 minutes, more people are coming through. Um, man, I was young in this and young in the anointing. And I was getting worn out. And I'll never forget about um, three-quarters of the way through the night. I've been doing this for hours. I mean, at, at that point in time, I'd prayed the sinner's prayer. I don't even know how many times with so many people. And you could tell people were really sincere and getting saved. But... um this, this group of church people, God sent them. I'm telling you, man, it's a bunch of these precious black women came through and they was all Holy Ghost. Jesus, you know, and I was in there preaching to them and I knew they were saved. And, and I was like, I'm tired, ladies. And they said, we're going to pray for you. And they all jumped on me and started praying. Seriously, listen, the power of God, I'm saying, the power of God swept through me. I got a fresh anointing. Those ladies went through and I was like, Jesus sent those ladies. And I felt myself just swell up in the anointing and I started preaching again. Jesus will send you people. Amen. <laughs> but, um, anyway, that was just, it was the importation of the anointing that had come that was beginning to operate. But I was only maybe 19, 20, 21 years old. And, and I really, truly gave my life to the Lord at 18. So I was very young in all of this, very young. Didn't know what I was doing, but I knew they got to touch me, but there's always more. There's always more from where you're at. And, um, well, one of the great things that was imparted to me was a great hunger for more of the Lord. And when I sat with Brother Stephen, I talked to him years ago when he started Heartland. And uh, we talked for a long time, and he told me the hunger will never die, man. It'll just increase. And so, well, while I was there, I kept bringing, we would hear about revivals in different places, you know, whatever. If there was a move of God going on, we all packed up and went. And um, I'll never forget, there was a man by the name of Floyd Lahon. And I didn't know anything about him. But, my, but I knew people that knew him. And they were like, man, this guy is a very powerful anointing. And he was holding a revival in Ennis. A very small church. And I was surprised. I expected, you know, these, these small town churches. That's all I've ever known. So I kind of knew what to expect. And to a degree, that's what it was. But we were there. Me and I, I brought a group of people. We were lined up. We were worshiping the Lord. And Brother Floyd got up. And, man, I tell you, when he started preaching, something came in that place. And he would pray for people. I don't have a Bible up here like this, but he would pray for people he had this thin line Bible, and he'd just touch you with the Bible. And um, anyway, he's actually one of Perry Stone's spiritual fathers. Okay, So there, there's definitely an anointing. He, he has actually seen the dead raised, and he has seen major miracles. This is somebody that's really walking with the Lord. And I didn't know. I just kind of backed into this, but we were there. And I remember as he was preaching, he was walking through there, and he had his Bible, and I remember him touching me on the head. I wasn't expecting it. I just went out on the pew. I was out. And um, he started calling people up and praying for me. He'd always used his Bible. It's just what he did. I think it's because, um, I mean, obviously the Lord told him to, but I think it was because people couldn't accuse him of, like, throwing them down or something. Because then people looked like they got thrown down. he prayed for them, and they would fly down. And um, I remember him calling me up, and he said that there was a, he called me up and said, you come up here, he said, the Lord just spoke to me. And, um, of course, you know how it is. He called me out, and I was kind of like looking behind me, and I was like, you know. And so he said, yeah, you come up here. So I would, he said there was, when I was your age, he said there was a man that came from London that prayed about a mantle on my life. And he said, the Holy Spirit says to pass that to you. So I went down there, and I was shake. I could not get up there. I was doing my best. I was dragging my feet up there. I finally got up to the front. He's laughing at me, you know, and I'm trying not to laugh. And uh, he goes up to pray for me, and the people that were there to catch me, all of us went out. It was hilarious. And I was, at that point, when I hit the ground, that's all that I really clearly remember. The rest of it was a fog. Okay, I remember people picking me up, but I was so overcome by the power of God. And um, they said later, the people that were with me said that there was other people that rushed rush up, pick me up, and then they would fall out. And by the end of it, he prayed for me seven times, that there was a pile of people. And I was in the pile somewhere. And, uh, and I was pinned to the floor, seriously for about an hour he prayed for other people but I could not get up I remember wanting to get up but I remember I couldn't move I was just pinned to the floor, it was awesome and that was, that was the early years and that's where it all began and I began to also figure out God's moving all over in different ways and I got familiar with Rodney Har Brown's ministry I got familiar with other moves of God and over the years whenever there's been a powerful move of God I've always tried to, to receive from that impartation What the Lord showed me about the anointing is this. Number one, the anointing will take you to a place of strength. That's number one. Number two, the Lord spoke to me that the coat of many colors is a mantle of many anointings. Did everybody get that? Because, see, I think a lot of people get locked into one type of move of God, and if they would open themselves up and receive from other revivals, their personal anointing would expand and increase, and they would begin to see more than they've ever seen. Because how many knows there's a very different anointing on the Toronto Revival than there was at Brownsville? You see what I'm saying? A very different anointing. Same Holy Spirit, just different manifestation. And, and you could say that across the board. I mean, you look at Reinhard Bonnke, you look at Benny Hinn, I mean, all these different people, There's there may be a similarity, but yet they have their own distinct anointing on their life. And as you humble yourself, as I talked about in one of these, and be willing to go where God is moving and receive from God, um, that anointing can come into your life. All right. Number one, I'm going to do this real quickly. It's a couple quick points. Pray the impartation work through you and change you. That needs to be your prayer. You guys have been receiving a powerful, powerful impartation through this uh, series I've been doing. God's been moving in that way. And of course, I'm going to get Brother Anthony to help me pray for people tonight. But listen... There's going to be a powerful impartation tonight. Begin to pray in your personal prayer life. Lord, let that anointing, that impartation, work through every area of my life and change me, cleanse me, set me free from things, bring me into the image of Christ, do a work in me, let that anointing work through me. Pray that the anointing will make weak places in your life strong. A couple more quick things. Protect the anointing and the anointing will protect you. But if you get an impartation of the anointing, then you go out and you start messing around with sin, it'll open a door and it can be far worse for you. It would have been better for you that you were never anointed in the first place than to really, truly be anointed and then go into sin. Trust me, that's not what you want to do because you're opening yourself up for an attack. If you'll protect the anointing and live a holy life, that anointing will wrap around you and protect and keep you safe from the enemy. The anointing will empower the gifts that are in your life. So whatever gifts God has put in your life, whether I'm talking about fivefold ministry gifts, um, the Holy Spirit's gifts, First Corinthians 12, even Romans 12 gifts, which I equate to the Father, but whatever gifts are in you, that anointing will come upon those gifts and will really cause those gifts to be activated and come forth in great power. A lot of times people have gifts, but they don't really have an anointing. But if they'll get a really powerful anointing, <clears throat> that anointing will come on that gift and it'll be explosive when they function that gift. I mean explosive. The anointing will empower you for your destiny. You can't get from, from A to B without the Holy Ghost. You know, I know people say, well, I'm called to do something that's true, but it's going to be the Holy Spirit that makes it happen. Okay? So get as much of the Lord as you can. And don't sit back and miss what God has for you. Press in. I remember at Brownsville and different places, especially at Brownsville, you you had to press in. You know, there was a story about Jesus um, in the Bible. It says in the King James, he was in the press, and what that was was he was pinned up against the wall, and there was all these people that were pressing in to receive from him. And so he was doing like this, praying for all of them. I'm sure, but he was in the press. Now, I remember at Brownsville, man, it would be like that. They'd be praying for people, and all these people were pressing in on them. And it, you had to, you couldn't, listen, you can't sit back in your pew. You've got to go after God. You've got to get up and go. And I remember I would get up and go in there to get prayer and just be patient and keep pressing in there, and pretty soon the power of God would touch me. And that's where a lot of these um, impartations came from, but you've got to go after it. Surprised how many people sit back in a powerful service. And don't press in for God. Go after God. You know, I'll never forget, there was a small, very small meeting that I was in, and maybe 20, 30 people, and it, it was um, in an upper room somewhere at Heartland, and there was different ministers. And there was, there's was people like Steve Hill and Cindy Jacobs, and there was a bunch of us different ministers. In fact, you went with me. And the power of God fell, and Sam Brassfield was prophesying over people, and, um, I remember this, I remember sitting there and God had used Steve Hill so powerfully at Brownsville and the Holy Spirit fell in that room and Steve went right up there to get prayer I remember the power of God hitting him and him going out and I thought that's a godly example he's already anointed but he's hungry for more Amen. but don't sit back go after God, make the effort to go forward, God sees that hunger in people he responds to hunger hunger Bible says hunger and thirst after righteousness you will be filled a hunger listen I want to be hungry I want to be if God's moving I want to be like a lightning rod for more of God I've seen where God was moving so powerfully and touching people and I'll see some deadbeat just sitting there and I'm thinking man you could really get touched tonight if you cared but they just sit there you know and also be careful listen I'm talking to a lot of people that are young in the ministry that that are coming forth you know I, I want to encourage you be careful who you marry that they they have a hunger for God like you do you know Bible talks about being equally yoked I know uh, that talks about salvation but I personally think it's even more than that because you can have somebody and we 've known my wife and I' have known people that one spouse is real Pentecostal and going after the move of God and the other person is from a very very non Pentecostal perspective and that's not to me personally a real equal yoking. They're both Christians but they're not on the same page. To me being equally yoked is that you're both on the same page. Listen, I've seen people over the years, I've seen husbands that's had to drag wives to go get prayer. I've seen it with my eyes that the wife just didn't care. They weren't on fire for God but the husband was. And he would always have to drag a wife down to get prayer and and they were really hungry for God, but they were dragging somebody else spiritually. And I knew it was frustrating for them. And I've also seen wives that had some deadbeat husbands. And here they are trying to go after God, and their husband's sit back and doesn't care. So make sure when you go to get married that both of you are on the same page about your pursuit of God. You want somebody that's hungry like you are and going after God like you are. And then the last couple things, fan the flame that's in you through your personal prayer life. If you want to be used of God, you're going to have to learn how to pray and develop a prayer life. That's it. It's going to come out of your personal prayer life. And as you learn how to pray and you develop a prayer life, it will fan into flame what is in you through the laying on of hands, what has been imparted to you. So learn how to pray and that will keep that fire burning bright in your personal life. But it's got to be, I'm telling you, if you don't know how to pray, it's going to, it's going to hinder what you're called to do on the level and i remember i call. i finally back when god powerfully touched me i finally found uh floyd lahan's number and i wanted to talk to him because god had really used him and i called him and i said brother floyd i said you prayed for me so i don't know if you remember me and i told him things he was like yeah i remember you and i said well listen i said i'm young in the ministry because at the time i mean i was only maybe 21 22 I i was young in the ministry do you have any advice and he said well He said, you learn a lot of things, you forget a lot of things when you get older. But he said, listen, he said, do you know how to pray? And I said, well, I think I do. He said, learn how to pray. He said, it's all in your personal prayer life. That's the advice he gave me. He said, pray. All right. And then the last thing I would say is just make sure and live holy. But I've already mentioned that before. Just really keep a consecrated life. Um, There's higher callings. There's things that because of the level of anointing that God's going to put on you and because of the the level of, of um, that God wants to use you at, there's things that God's not going to let you get away with that maybe somebody else seems like they're getting away with. There's things you're not going to be able to watch on TV because it's going to grieve your spirit. There's things that, that you're not going to be able to watch in movies. It's going to grieve you about certain things. And, and the Lord is calling a group out to be holy and elect unto him that, that's a remnant that he can really entrust them with a lot of spiritual power and, 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 a, and a fire. But listen, you've got to keep it holy. And, and people nowadays, and I'm going to get into this series later on, but I'm just going to close this thing out real fast. But nowadays I'm really concerned at how much of the world has, has been bleeding into the church. I mean, you're seeing, you know, the way people are dressing, you know, seductive and provocative. They look just like the world. You know, the poses and things now, it's kind of, you know, I'm looking at things on Facebook and some of the pictures, these are Christian people, and you're going, you're trying to look just like these pop stars that are all sexual and perverted and everything. And then you've got all, all the drinking, and you've got people call themselves Christians, but they cuss like sailors. You know, they're covering themselves in tats and piercings. If I'm stepping on toes, then repent, man. Get holy unto God. I mean, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying that God's looking for a holy people that is going going to set themselves apart and let the Lord really clean them out and use them. But if if you're allowing this stuff in your life, you're killing the flow that God wants to be in your life. Okay. So let's keep, keep yourself pure. Be careful what you entertain in your mind. And be careful what you keep staring at. Nowadays, there's going to be so much stuff that your eyes are going to fall upon things that you wish they didn't, but that's just the way Satan has made sure it's going to be. But keep your eyes bouncing. Don't dwell on something for a long period of time. If you see something that you don't need to be looking at, look away. Amen? Don't let it, like, burn deep within you. Okay? (laughs) Turn away, man. Turn away. (laughs) Anyway, and set yourself apart and guard your heart. Be careful that if people offend you, that you're quick to forgive them. All of us have to work. I mean, we all have to deal with these things. But the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold because of all the bitterness. Be very careful that you quickly forgive and pray for the person and let it go. I mean, it's not about that person. It's not about getting even or anything. It's about you keeping yourself holy and pure for the Lord. That's more important than... Then whatever they did or didn't do or whatever, just let that go. When I was talking to those precious ladies that prayed for us at Brownsville, I took, or took a group with me a couple of years back, ran up a fire, and we found some of these altar workers that pray for people during the revival. And I was like, you ladies look familiar. I said, come here, listen, I, I am a pastor, and I brought a group. Were you guys altar workers? Yeah, we pray with people all the time. I said, would you please pray for my people? And I was talking to them for a little while, and they were so sweet, and they were telling me, they are like, yes, the, the forgiveness issue is huge. They said you got to forgive immediately and keep that, that pure flow of the Holy Spirit in your life that there's no bitterness clogging that flow. And they were talking to me about that. So, Lord, we thank you for this time and this is the final part to this series. Lord, we want to be set apart. We want to be holy That and guard what's entrusted to us through this impartation that you've been doing in our lives, Lord, that we are people that will be set apart, that you can use... As vessels of honor. Lord we thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for cleaning up our lives Lord. Thank you for being patient with us. Those, those of us that you've needed to heal us. And you've needed to deliver us from things. So that we could be free. And you needed to teach us things. So that we could learn how to walk in freedom. Thank you Lord. That you've been so patient with us. To take us from glory to glory. And, and just clean us up. And do the work in us that you've done. And Lord we, we honor that. We thank you for that. And I pray tonight. As we're going to be praying for people. Lord, that there will be an incredible impartation of your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.